where the light bulb went off is the fact that all these wafy models, the guys and girls were walking around with this paps in their hand and you know they hated it, but they look cool. And that was where I was like, oh my God. Like they, they were doing it because they were the quick kid. There was a badge of honor. It was not about the beer. It was about that that can was all of a sudden you were cooler. That was an accessory. And that's when I was like, holy shit, we're onto something here. You have tuned in to PodSAM, the podcast channel of Sam Magazine, the voice of the mountain resort industry. Steve Nelson, more commonly known as Styx, is a legendary brand marketer, having worked with brands such as PBR, Red Bull, and now he serves as the VP of Cult Indoctrination at Liquid Death Mountain Water. If you're not familiar with Liquid Death, they've taken water to a whole new level with a somewhat polarizing yet insanely creative approach to their brand. In May of 2023, Sticks joined the SAM team at Timberline Mount Hood, Oregon at Cutter's Camp to share his insight into building powerful brand culture in the park and on the mountain. This conversation took place in front of a live audience. We'll kick it off here with SAM publisher, Olivia Rowan. Sticks is a pretty legendary marketer working with iconic brands and Airwalk, but also Red Bull, PBR, and now he's the vice president of Holt Indoctrination at Liquid Death. So we've all watched Liquid Death and the incredible um, fast rise to um, being everywhere um, and the creative marketing um, that they've been doing. So, um, you know, and, and they've sort of been a game changer in how water is marketed and consumed. So Styx knows what it takes for a brand to be authentic and how to build culture. Um, and so we're thrilled to have him here and to share a little bit of his expertise. Uh, he's been a longtime friend of Cutter's Camp, um, bringing with him the various brands. He's been with us from Red Bull to PBR to now Liquid Death. And he has recognized the passion in this group of freestyle terrain professionals. Um, and he knows that you guys are out there building the playgrounds and snow at the big mountains and the small hills, and he's been a big supporter of you guys. So uh, thrilled to have Sticks here. Um, he's gonna give us a little bit of his unique perspective on building grassroots marketing, branding, authenticity, and innovative event sponsorship. So um, let's draw this out a little bit that, you know, the last two years, um, well, we, we, you know, coming off the pandemic, the ski industry has had um, actually a, a great couple of years. We just posted Two years in a row, record-breaking skier visits. I mean, we just had our historic skier visits. Uh, we've never had that high before. Um, the pandemic got people outside, um, and the resorts were one of the few places open. So we benefited in, in that respect with the pandemic. Um, but there have also been some persistent challenges out of the pandemic. There's some burnout, staffing issues. Um, and the pan during the pandemic, at the beginning of it, we also lost a lot of our inspirational and aspirational um, platforms. Those you know, snowboarder and transal snowboarding and some of these places and big events, we've lost some of the big events, we've lost some of that um, that connection to that cool vibe and, and the culture. So, um, and we know that snowboarding is a, is a culture um, and, a, and a mindset. Um, and um, we build and sell fun in settings that are dreamy, edgy and familiar. And um, so we want to find that vibe again. And so I would love for you to kind of tell us what advice do you have for the ski areas and the resorts here um, to stand out, to be the cool park, to get the cult following, to, you know, to bring a little um, authenticity and, and culture to their, to their park programs. 
actually, you're all the gatekeeper for fun, if you think about it. And I, I think that what, what's lost, I don't care how big or small the resort is or the hill you work on. I, I grew up riding Highland Hills in Minneapolis. That's where I'm from, 700 feet of vert. But a lot of good riders are coming out of Highland Hills because they're lapping it. But I think that, you know, you're very lucky because you are the, the gatekeepers. Uh, I live in Evergreen, Colorado. So everyone has to pass my house to go to Summit County. As you all know, it's an absolute gong show now on weekends. But I think that uh, if I push anything, I'm identical, I have an identical 28-year-old boys that love to ride, but they were raised, they were taught by Bob Holm, if any of you know, from um, Winter Park. He's a mountain manager there. Is that making them approachable, because most of the public can't hit these booters that you're all building. Some of the stuff, the features you're doing are unbelievable. And I, I was fortunate enough to experience these things at my time at Red Bull with, we did a, a here at Mount Hood with Tanner Hall did. And I, the last project I worked on was the private half pipe for Sean White before the Vancouver Olympics at Silverton. I was gone, I did the site inspection, I was gone by the time he was riding it, but that was all SBT. So it's amazing what you all do. But I think if I urge you anything, it's make it approachable. Because I think sometimes there's not only the cool guy-girl factor of skiing and snowboarding, but some of these features are just, they're too aggressive for the, the common person. And I, I, I love the fact that, let's, uh, let's use Snowmass as an example. They have the different levels. I know some of you don't have the acreage or the, the land to do the, the, the different size parks. But if you can make it more approachable for the common person, how many of you have seen a, a tourist case a jump? Because I think it would be kind of fun to go over a booter and they land flat. I mean, it's gnarly, right? Blowing their knee out, just trying to have fun with their kids. But um, you really have a unique job and you should be, love every day of it because most jobs suck. They really do. And I've tried to avoid suck my whole career. <laughs> um, but it's still a job. I mean, it's still very stressful. As much as I appreciate what we've been able to do and the kind words from O, it's stressful. It is. And so I know it can be, and you have the risk management and things like that to think about. But um, being in Colorado, everyone wants to be outdoors. Everybody has an epic pass or a, a, you know, and that's cool. But I think that, again, some of it gets to be too intimidating. And I'm not saying it's a negative connotation, but like you said, oh, the, the skier visits are way up during pandemic. And I've heard those same things. My friends in Aspen, they have trouble with staffing. No one can live in the valley. It's tough. I get that. So hats off to all of you who are able to pull it off through that pandemic. But I think if you can make it so it's, it's kind of welcoming, and I just feel like sometimes it's not. It's a little like, unless you're a pro, unless you rip, you can't be here. And I, again, they're, they're super, do they even have super park anymore? Is that kind of, that's gone probably, right? Do they do a super park anymore? Because that was pretty gnarly when they did that. Those things were insane, right? But making it, making it for, for the everyday person, I think, is something that everyone needs to tuck away. The other thing is, too, is that I think that you all have your own personal brands as people, which is really, really important. You know, your reputation, like how you, how you work, what, you know, what your peers think of you. But also with your mountain or hill, what do you want to call it? Is it making this little cult following where make it so the young kids can walk away with something. Everybody wants, just like you're getting swag when you leave here, you're going to walk away with something from Cutter's Camp. That's cool. Your, your badge of honor. And I think if, if it's possible in your budgets to do a little beanie, to do a little something that people can walk away with, because you have your own brand. You know, everyone wants to hang their hat on their park and on their, their resort. But I think that's very, very important because people do like to walk away with something besides the, the, the great memories. But I hope that makes sense. But I think each of you probably have brand partners at these mountains, take advantage of that. Help each other on that. It's, you, you really do have some valuable assets. And it's fun for me, to, where, where, where I go in this country, to see the little mom and pop hills and see what people are doing versus the giant veil conglomerates. You know? That's fun. That, to me, that keeps it young. That keeps the industry exciting. 
know. Have you, um, either with Red Bull or PBR or now Liquid Death, come across some creative event sponsorships that um, you've been involved, involved with or that you've seen out there that you're like, that went off great. And they didn't have to be the big ones, but just some examples. Actually, um, when it wasn't really with a brand, but everyone likes a story, be able to tell a story. And what's the thinking behind it? So one of the ones I worked on, ironically, back to Winter Park, was called the 1976 Games. We did this years ago. And little known fact that Denver turned down the 76 Olympics. And Red Bull being Red Bull and based in Austria, and they're being arrogant, they're like, see, we got the Olympics, you didn't. We decided to do our own little Olympics, and it was mini skis, which I don't know how to ski. I've never seen but but the, the rule was you had to have them on all day. So people were in the bar with mini skis on, or walking through the, they could meet, everybody had to wear it, but, but everybody dressed up and they had a black. People wearing disco suits like 76. And then we had the silly, you know, mogul run, a little rail, we had things, but, but the idea was, there's a story behind it. Why is it 1976 games? Because Denver turned down the Olympics. And it would have been a boon for Denver, but they thought way ahead with the infrastructure they didn't have, lack thereof, I-70, all that. But that was one where it was more of, how can we have some fun, help people smile, they left everyone happy. And the thing is, the course was not aggressive, so anyone could enter. And then they won $1,976. Yeah, so that was awesome. kind of the idea. Awesome. Um, before I left, I, I was just learning to drive a cat, thanks to um, um, Frank Wells, was my sensei. And I still suck. I'm horrible at it. But I had one. And we did this thing called Cat Tracks, where we, we trailered the cat. It was a PB100, so it was small enough where you could just trailer it. You didn't have to take the tracks off. And we would go to the different... Um, passes and we would just take people let we just go grab whoever it was put them in a pickup truck came up put them in the cat and take them on a ride and they'd have a red bull whatever that came to an end when i found out that the risk management was horrible and i was it could have been a lot of trouble but anyway um <laughs> it's always trying to think of ways to give back and i think that in, in a way that's again very approachable and easy to digest because sometimes it, again it can be very intimidating when these big brands throw something out there and the common person's like I, i'm not even gonna bother they won't pay any attention to me and the powers in the people, like numbers, it's numbers, right? Yeah. Like, um, what, what advice would you give to these guys who are in charge of their park programs and they want to come up with a creative event and they want to bring in brands like Liquid Death and PBR and Red Bull that can help, you know, amp the, the stoke on that event? How, what, what can they do to approach brands in a way that they can get their support? I think, it, you know, look at brands. I always say this, like, I can make a seat today for an employee. If you can do something I can't do, won't do, or haven't done. You just got to prove to me you, that, right? And I'm learning every day. I don't pretend to know. I still don't know what I want to do with my life. But the matter is that if you find brands that you're fulfilling a need and you're exposing the brand to more people, because at the end of the day, you want exposure. You want to build your brand. And the only way you're going to do it, if you go back to the same people all the time, it's just done and it kind of gets lost. But I think if you can approach brands and go, hey, you know what? We've never thought of doing, like what Burton does with the chill program, that's really cool. Like I've, I've supported some of their events and they try to pull people out of the city, especially in New York. Everyone piling on the bus and going to Hunter Mountain or wherever it was. That's cool. Like you're exposing it to other people. And it, that is where magic lies, is that you approach the brands and say, you know, we've got this platform. We've got this hill. We've got this resort. This is something like, let's expose some people to snow sports, whatever that may be. Could be the snow bikes, like whatever it is, get them out, you know? People's mindset changes when you get in, when you get in nature. It just does. People kind of chill out and everybody needs that this day and age. We're in a crappy situation right now in a lot of ways. That's why all of you should be so lucky every day you can step out of the cat or step out on the park and just take a big deep breath because it's some nasty stuff. I have to go to major metropolitan city and there's some 
bad things happening. And I think that if you can brighten someone's day and say, you know, we're going to expose your brand to more people, but then have fun. Throw ideas around. Have a brainstorming session. What have you always wanted to do on your mountain? And, and kind of poke the bear, poke management a little bit. I know you have to be careful, again, insurance-wise, but think of some just cockamamie idea. What, what is something you could do that is borderline, that you want to be corny, but something that's really creative and people like, you know, and anyone can do it. You know, even if it is inner tube, like snow tubing, where they call it. Just have some fun. Now, you don't want to do, I, I pitched an idea of the, the world record tube jump, and then we realized that it led to some really bad spinal injuries, so we didn't do it. <laughs> but um, we were, you know, I'm always thinking of some way to have fun, you know, without hurting anyone. But that would, that would be the best way, is that there's lots of brands that, I mean, the Volcoms of the world would love to expand even more their reach, what they have. I'm just throwing it out there as a brand. But, the, you know, they have, most people know who they are. Well, maybe you want to pick a smaller brand that doesn't really know. And I love working with smaller brands because they're scrappy. And you, like, we're, we, we don't have to answer anyone liquid death yet. So that's why we pushed the envelope. And Mike, the founder, who's my boss, and he's the brainchild, pardon my English, but he's, the moniker he says every day is, what's the stupidest fucking thing we can do today? And that's literally <laughs> what he says every morning. And I'm like, so that's kind of where we roll. But we like working with the smaller brands because they know they don't have to answer to that. And that's why at, at PAPS we were successful is that I didn't have to answer to anyone. Meanwhile, Coors, Bud, everyone had to sign off. There are 15 people that have to sign off on it, approve it. By the time it gets to the finished product, it's watered down and it's lame. So if you can work with someone who's going to be as nimble as you all are, you could do some really fun stuff. Yeah, and I think Take the Rake is an example of that from Trollhagen, where you said management just went with it, let you, let you do what you wanted to do with that. So, um, yeah, that's Pat yeah, Moore. Yeah. Pat, Pat did that. I know we were yeah. talking about that. Um, what are your thoughts on influencers? Uh, and you know and how much they can help or hurt your brand. They're you know they're all buzzing around now. And, and uh, what what are your thoughts for these guys running the park program? Uh, I think most of them are turds. To be honest with you, <laughs> um, I, to be, I, you're all influencers, in my opinion. That sounds cheesy, but I just some of the stuff like how many followers you have. I don't care. Like, are you respected? In your little way, are you respected? Like that that is the thing that's most important to me. And that's why, even at Paps, like. When people say, oh, you had success, how'd that go? I said, it's very simple. First of all, it's a lot of legwork of, of schlepping, but it's taking care of the people that don't ever get any love. So we did a whole program when I first started. We had the worst apparel. It was all red, white, and blue. You look like you work at Dairy Queen when I was at Paps. I hated it. We did all black. We did black shirts, black hats, and we gave it to lifties. We gave it to waitresses. We gave it to barbacks. Nobody got any love. And that's how you build the groundswell. You're taking care of people that usually get ignored because the, the cool people, the influencers, always get free stuff. I don't want to be yet another thing that they get in their bag at Coachella. I could care less, right? What I care about is the people, the security guards, the, who never get anything, right? Because at the end of the day, they're the ones who are going to be loyal. So I'd be really careful with the influencer thing. I would never pay someone to do a post for me. Like, that's not authentic. And I think any of you who are consumers, you're going to see right through that when people are like, oh, that's it. So if you do see it at Liquid Death, if you see, like you saw Wiz Khalifa, Tony Hawk, Metallica, they're investors. It, it, we didn't pay them, and, but they're smart to work with us because... It only helps them down the road. But I would never go pay a quote-unquote influencer. But if you are going to do that, make sure it's someone that's universally respected and it's not going to come off the pay-to-play because, again, it's just, it's just, it comes off inauthentic. So I don't, I'm not an influencer guy, personally. Like, I want to sit and have a beer with you and have a chat, but if you're going to flex on me with your, you know, your followers, whatever, you probably bought them some, in, you know, how you can buy those followers, you know, on, on some call center in India. I don't, I'm not interested. So... Um, what are some of the biggest mistakes you've seen companies uh, make when it comes to marketing and branding? Oh, skateboarding. Everybody <laughs> fucks up skateboarding. Like anyone who's not a skater screws it up. 
and it may sound silly why I'm bringing, I jump at skateboarding, but you're called a fake immediately. And I know this because I, I, I'm the only one in my family without a graduate degree, but I'm, I got a graduate degree on how to, not to do business at Airwalk. The demise of Airwalk is the fact that there was no distribution strategy with the skate. At the time, we had all but killed Vans. This is the mid-90s. There was no distribution strategy in the product. So the best-selling shoes were the Tony Hawk shoe. We had a Rune Glyphberg shoe, a Jeff Rowley shoe, all these things. Next thing you know, they're showing up in the mall. That pretty much, we paid for the sins of all the brands that are in malls now, but that was just, we killed the skate shops because that was their bread and butter. And I joke, there's a shop in Minneapolis called Cal Surf. And uh, Scott Orsnick, and I walked in there, and I, I was like, hey, what's up? I'm with Airwalk. And he took this little flyer and he throws at me. This is when the Matrix came out. I was like, whoa, Matrix. Like I bent back and it, this flyer went winging by me. He said, get the fuck out of my store. Fuck you, you're killing me. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. What did you, you know, pump the brakes, buddy. And, and he goes, you're fucking killing me. And he, the flyer was a flyer for Just for Feet at the Mall of America that it opened. And it was 39.9, the Tony Hawk shoe. It was 69 on his wall. Mm. And he's like, you're fucking killing me. And at the time, it was Airwalk Vans, Duffs, and Etnies. That was it. And that pretty much was the you know, beginning of the end for Airwalk. The reason I tell you this is the fact you turn your back on people, they don't, they don't forget. You know, your consumers, you do something, someone gets hurt at your park, someone has a negative experience. Moms talk, okay? Their kid has a bad experience at your park. Guy or girl, they, they, that sucks. That spreads, unfortunately, like cancer. But I think I use skateboarding because I've seen every move. Red Bull still hasn't figured out skateboarding. And I'm an alumni. They still haven't figured out how to do it really right. We were successful at PAPS, and you know why? We gave beer and we walked away. We just we let decide for themselves what PAPS meant Ankle to them. swag. Versus shoving something down their throat. And that's why even with liquid death, yeah, we're having fun. Death to plastic, murder your thirst. But we're letting people kind of decide for themselves. What, what is that to you? But I think that when brands try too hard to, to push or if your own personal brands or your mountains, you're, if you try to push too hard, people will kind of by nature push back and no one likes to be sold. And as soon as, I mean, hard sell or sneaky, subliminally, and, and they'll catch on to that. So I think that if you're gonna get into something, you can't half-ass it and too many people half-ass, you have to do a deep dive, study where you're going into and where you can have the most success, but also what kind of pitfalls could be out there because I don't think enough people, they check boxes. And one last thing, I'll give you an example. I'm riding a bus. I, I was at X Games a couple years ago, and God bless Skiko, they put me up in a place, but it was like way out in Snowmass. So I had to jump on this bus, and it was just this frat bus. I mean, everybody was hammered. And there was this girl sitting there, like, I mean, she looked kind of nervous. She, she, looked, she was dressed really nice, and I, I was like, Are you all right? People were just raging, like, all around her. And, and I sat down next to her. I said, Are you okay? She said, Yeah. She said, I've just never been to X Games. I'm like, Cool. Welcome. And um, she was from Verizon Wireless. And so I was like, okay, so what are you doing here? She goes, oh, we're a sponsor. I said, oh, okay. Okay, what does that entail? She goes, well, we have a banner on the side of the pipe. I'm like, okay. What else? Oh, we have it. And I went, followed her into the village, and it's all the people wearing the vest and the button-down shirt, this tent, and I'm trying to understand the ROI on this because it's speed stick and whatever else, and I could just see what was going on here. They, her and her friend, you know, coworkers got a trip out to Aspen. They checked a box on their... PowerPoint that they were going to show all the executives, and that was it. There's probably no follow-through. They, they did no study on what they're really doing. They can just check a box and say, we are at X Games. And they were in a logo graveyard, which I guarantee no one remembers that they were there. To me, that's not the wisest use of money. And that, I, I probably because both Liquid Death and PAPS, we don't really have any money. I mean, Red Bull, we did. But that's just a, that's a different level, you know. But it was something where they didn't, I think it was just, we, we should check a box and be a part of action sports. 
but they didn't do it right. And I urge any of you too. I mean, you, you need money to keep the list turning, and I understand that. But really be careful about who you bring in because consumers are smart, and especially those core people will sniff out, okay, are they just chasing the dollar, or is this legitimately giving back to the sport? Now, there is a fine line because you all have to keep your lights on. But all I'll say is if you are going to work with that, pull them aside. You're going to do them a disservice if you don't pull these potential sponsors aside and say, you know what, this is how we roll at our mountain here or our resort. Let's do something unique together. Maybe it's a feature you do together that people will talk about. You know, have something walk away. I mean, we were talking with, I think it was Bogus Basin, I want to say, about doing a death to plastic casket that, you, that people could bonk or you could slide and it's full of plastic bottles. You know, the idea is death to plastic. So have some fun with it, but I don't think enough people do. And if you say, well, I don't, we don't have the budget, we'll make them pay for it, but just help them. And you guys know how, you all, girls, how to build these parks and how to make it so it does work for the public. But how fun would that be for these little kids to be able to, to ride a little feature and mom and dad can take pictures of it and they know what resort it's at and it's gonna spread on, on, on uh, social media. Like, look where we were, we were at this X resort and my kid got to be able to go off that, go with me. That fun rail, you know, probably that high off the ground, but who cares? You're spreading the stoke, people are happy, and they're gonna to wanna to come back a return visit to your area. That's what I would do if I were you. So um, we'll stay on Liquid Death, and um, what is unique when you dive into your brand history there is that you, uh, are, you, you are there for a diverse audience. Like you're in 7-Eleven and you're in Whole Foods, mm -hmm. and you're with the, the teens, the, the moms. You're, you know, you, so how, do you, how are you able to have this brand um, be attracted to a, a, such a diverse audience? Well, I think it's being water. The other part is, um, <laughs> no, seriously, the other part is we're putting our money where our mouth is um, with sustainability piece. And I, I'm a mentor for the lead school business at the University of Colorado. I love working with the students. And it's really more career advice when I do it. But the one thing that I realized my last panel I did with the students is, is sustainability is really important to young people. And, and I, I'm not just saying it, Blake, and like, it came up every single group. And one brand that they kept bringing up was Patagonia. And I, Patagonia has done a fantastic, I don't personally wear Patagonia, but I, they've done a fantastic job of putting their money where their mouth is. Like, I don't know if you saw during the last election where they had the tag that said, vote the assholes out on the, on the tag, like literally the tag of the shirt. But they're standing behind it. And for us, we donate a portion of our profits every month. We have two charitable partners. One's called Five Years, where they go scoop plastic out of the ocean. Like, literally go pick it up. We pay for that. And they have another one called The Thirst Project, which has nothing to do with our can, it's literally just building wells in countries that don't have suitable drinking water. So we don't even brand it, we don't do anything, we just wanna give back. So if you're gonna do something like that, make sure you're really doing it and don't just claim it, you know? So that is sometimes that gets lost in the shuffle or people hang their hat on it, but we're able to do it because once people get over the name, because again, before anyone who we were four years ago, it was just six of us, six employees four years ago, they thought we, from a distance we looked like a shitty energy drink or a beer. You know, now the beer thing, we did purposely make this look like a Guinness can and the white cans to look like Modelo or Miller Lite because we love the sober community and people who are designated drivers, there's a placebo effect of having a can in your hand. Like it just versus the, a glass with a lime in it, you know? It's just more of that. And so like James from Metallica, he's, he's sober, but he loves the fact he can go on stage with this and he feels like he's still partying, you know? But I think that you know, the music of my ears are the moms when they say, because of you, my child wants to hydrate. That is like the best thing you could ever hear is that we're trying to make drinking water cool. That's it. Like, you know, and now there's the, there is the um, drink water guys. We do great stuff too, involved in snowboarding. But in a perfect world, we'd all have water bottles. We'd never have to do this. That's not a reality. So we're thinking, okay, what, what could we do that's not harmful and 
you know, I think it's 76% of the aluminum in circulation today is 100 years old. Like, that's how recyclable. Meanwhile, 10% of plastic's been recycled. It's not profitable. It's horrible. And I say to, hate to say it, I didn't know the problem until I got to liquid death, how bad it is. So every little bit we can do to help, just like each of you get up every day and say, well, how can I make someone's day better? That little bit will go a long way, you know, in the long run. So um, in all these iconic brands you've worked for, you've probably... Um worked in some incredible teams and I would imagine with Liquid Death you've had to build from the ground up uh, a, a good team. What what advice can you give for w building a, a great team and making sure that you've got the right mix of people to um, push that marketing and brand and culture? God, great question. Um, my team, just so you're all aware, you, you don't even know this, oh. So I took a totally different approach with the team that I hired, my lifestyle marketing team at, at Liquid Death, where some of them had never had a job before. And what I mean by that is that they're all professionals at something else, and I want them to have that side career. I do. And they do. So Pat Moore, pro snowboarder, but he's on my marketing team. Chris Cole, two-time Thrasher's Kid of the Year, he's on my marketing team. Uh, Blasco is bass player for Ozzy Osbourne. He's on my team. Um, Joanna Angel, much decorated porn star, is on my marketing team. Uh, Paul Finnamore, hip-hop tour manager, he's the reason why we have Wiz Khalifa and uh, Trippy Red and Machine Gun Kelly's investors because of him. So I brought this like Land of Misfit toys together and some of them never even opened a Google Doc before I hired him, but they're some of the hardest workers I have because they want to do well, you know, and I, take, I took a leap of faith because sometimes, you, as you all know, you can have people that are recycled people with recycled ideas. It's the same thing, they just bring it somewhere else and it's like, no, we need fresh and I don't pretend to know the answers to anything. My job is more air traffic control, but you give people that power, you know, of your brand or where you're at and let them go and see what they, they're going to have some, be some guardrails. But I think that it, it, it's worked and Mike backed me on this. We brought in people that are pros in their own way. So they're disciplined in their own way, but there's certain things, you know, but they're, they're untapped resource. So like, do I expect to be in skateboarding and snowboarding? Sure. But what people don't realize is that Chris Cole loves woodworking. So, and he's also been dealing with veterans. He's been dealing with police and fire and first responders. All these things you'd never guess a pro skater would do, but he, he's passionate about that. Um, Blasco, you know, like I said, bass player for Ozzy. He's actually retired now because Ozzy's got in a bad way. He loves food trucks. So he and his wife are foodies. They live in Sherman Oaks and they drive around LA and go to food trucks and get liquid death in food trucks. And it's that kind of thing where it's like, who would have thunk it, right? But just mining people for their, for their um, information and, and what their interests are and, and being a good listener. At the end of the day, you're going to find out if you have a good employer or not. Just listen to what they have to be. There's a lot of good people out there, you know, and let them run because sometimes the best ideas from most unlikely places, you know, and that's what we're finding because we're just, we have brainstorming every week and we have the, um, you know, uh, the funniest ideas just come out. It's from our customer service girl. She's been there. She's, she's hilarious. And she comes up with amazing ideas. We keep trying to promote her, but she doesn't want to be promoted for some reason, but she, she likes staying in customer service, but she's hilarious. So, don't, whether someone's shoveling fries or someone working the lot for parking, give everybody a chance. Hear them out. If someone wants to be promoted or try to get on your team, listen to them. You know, you never know because some people are too quick to judge a book by its cover. That's cool. Um, it's good advice. Um, tell us a little bit about you personally. Um, and, you know, you, you, I can think I'm confident in saying that we all think you have the coolest job. <sighs> uh, and so tell us a little bit about, you know, how you got to this point and, you know, how you pursued this, this uh, career. And, oh, yeah. well, I knew I would step off a bridge if I had to work in a bank. That, that's, you know, I couldn't do that. But I, 
I, I was enamored with action sports. And I think not only just because I love skateboarding and snowboarding, but I was so enamored with the, the way people dress. I went to my first Warped Tour. I was like, I want a part of this somehow. Um, love punk rock. I love the way guys and girls dress. I just, everything about it, the brands, the gear, everything really was what, what really got me going. And you know what's crazy? And I, I, when I went to walk at my first SIA, when it was back in Vegas, I was walking around. I'm, from, again, from Minneapolis originally. I'd have to tell you guys as a, as a story because hopefully you'll do the same thing or won't do the same thing. I remember walking around, I would like to approach these brands in their booths and I'd, I'd walk over and I remember there's one brand, it doesn't matter what it is, and, but I just remember this guy was so arrogant and like not nice to me at all. And he was sitting at the little pulpit, you know, those things where it's like security. And I said, hey, what would it take to work at your brand? And he took his business card, which I still have, and he threw it at me and he said, another, another thing being thrown at me. And he goes, sweep my warehouse. And I just remember I grabbed the car and I wrote sweep my warehouse on the back because I thought, how rude. This is a snowboard brand. Why would you do this? Why would you do And this motherfucker I tried to get a job <laughs> at Pabst like years later. I'm like, we've met, haven't we? And he's like, I don't know. And I'm like, okay, and we're good. And I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything, but I couldn't believe that. I was like, you, don't, you know how rude you were to me? Don't do that. Like, just be cool. Like, you're all in enviable positions. You've got people under you who want to be where you're at. Try to groom them, you know, that kind of thing. And I guess that's the way I was raised. But it literally came down to me rapping on doors to someone to give me a chance. And the only reason why I got a chance, and some of you have probably heard this, this story, and I'll make it quick, but I uh, studied advertising. That's what I thought I was going to do. And I would take ads out of magazines and redo them in a funny way and send them to brands just to get their attention. And Airwalk at the time was doing double-page spreads in every mag. And I'd sent one, and I kept sending it. My brother taught me, don't ever go through head, you know, HR. Always go to, right to the person you want to work for. And... Um, I kept sending it to this woman and, at Airwalk, and I, this is back like pre, this is like pre-flip phone days. I'm like on my parents' landline. And I got her. She picked up the phone. And I was like, hey, it's Steve Nelson. She goes, Jesus, kid. She's like, I got all those letters. My house just burned down. I'm going to Europe. I have no time to talk to you. So I sent her a smoke detector in the mail. <laughs> and she called me. She's like, you have fucking balls. She's like, I've got to fly you out, and I got a job. But that was literally, I had nothing to lose. <laughs> Because I just and and we still laugh about it to this day. I kind of lost touch with it, but I thought I had nothing to lose. And I'm not telling you all should mail smoke detectors, but I thought, what is a way that I had, I literally it was a hail mary, you know. And all I needed was FaceTime to get in front of you, and I didn't know anything. And I always said that it, I don't pretend to know everything, but I'm a quick learner and I'm a good listener. So there's not enough listeners these days. Everybody wants to be heard. That's why social media to fall like I tell my students, especially in the males, like depression's real. They all think they're supposed to have a Tesla and a car by the time they're 20, or a house by the time they're 25. Chill out, like, slow down. Like, it'll be okay, like, but yes, most jobs suck. But, but realize that, like, it's just, social media has really done some damaging things, in my opinion. Now, you're all gonna have to have that out there. You wanna put your brand out there, your personal. I have an Instagram, I, I'm not super active on it. But it's more to see what other brands are up to and what people are doing. But I think that they're, um, just be leery and there's just not enough people just be cool. Like, I don't know what else to say it, but that you just, there's enough going on right now. You'll go very far if you can be approachable. Your teams, your crews, the amount, whatever it is, without being pretentious. It you sounds know. like that approach where you were kind of redoing those magazine ads and trying to get the attention is something that these guys can do to get the attention of brands is, like you said, come up with some super creative stuff and put it in front of them. And I think that is For a, sure. way, a way. Absolutely. Um, Tell us a little bit about, um, you know, your, your title is Vice President of Cult Indoctrination. So can you tell us a bit about what that 
role entails and, you know, um, and what are the goals for Liquid Death now that you kind of, wh where are you going next with the brand? Oh, well, I, I go to London next week. So opening the UK, which is cool. Um, Cult indoctrination, Mike came up with that. Basically, it's like crack dealing. First sample is free, right? Like you just want to get people excited. So at the end of the day, it's like they call it a hype man, whatever it is. It's to get people interested in what you're doing and working with the right people, but it's connecting people and not being above anyone. There's no background, race, color, creed, anything. We don't, we just, we welcome everyone and we're water, right? Like you should, everyone should put, you know, be consuming. But honestly, it's all about just credibly building the brand. So when people say, what do you do? I said, I credibly integrate brands into scenes that brands try to buy their way in. That's what I do. Like it's just in a credible way. But the problem is the big conglomerate companies are not patient. They want to see ROI like tomorrow. How can we scale this? I can't stand when I hear that. Like either you know or you don't. And perhaps we went from 250 million to almost a billion, the portfolio. There was never once we didn't use an agency. There was never once like Sticks, you have to hit this number, ever. And we had a great team, but, but let me give you an example why it worked, and this could apply to all of you. You can't be everything to everyone, and you can't have one message that's gonna go across all platforms and, and all over the country. So my point is, at PAPS what we did is we had 40, um, we call them marketing murders, but like um, marketing agents, um, in every city, because what's cool in, like, Kansas City is a lot different than what's cool in New York City. So if you try to use the same slogan or the same thing versus just empowering the people in these local markets and let them decide for themselves what the brand means to them. And I think that that's how it worked. It was just, it's, it was a slow burn, but as I always said, it's not gonna be instant ROI, but it'll be loyal ROI and it's patience. And nope, everyone has instant gratification now. They want it done tomorrow and you have to have patience. So if any of you are managing, you're managing your crew, we're gonna have the best park out there, give it some time. You know, because what does that mean? You have the best park out there. Is it the most fun? Is it the most aggressive? Is it the most creative? But I think to your point, oh, if you bring brands in and say, hey, here's your blank canvas. Let's paint something together. That sounds kind of cheddary, but you know what I mean. Like, let's have some fun. And a lot of people have these platforms to work with, you know? They're just kind of like, yeah, we're gonna pay you. We're sponsoring your park. You know, and I've seen Big Bear has done some things. Uh, they've done some random stuff. We've done some stuff with Snow Summit. We worked up uh, because of Pat with Slush Magazine on some things, but it was, it was functional, fun, things giving back and not just take, 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 and just, we're not into logo slaps. I would just avoid logo slaps, if any you can. Like, you know, it's fine and all, and you want to decorate your park, but, but do it, if you're gonna do it, do functional branding. Do something that's like, okay, that's a cool piece, back to my point earlier, of where it's a good photo op for families. Like, what, what's gonna spread the word on your park or, or your resort? Like, get the word out, you know? For sure, you're, you have definitely been a part of the, the grassroots in all these brands and getting, getting your product in at the grassroots level. And um, so to these guys and their park programs and um, you look at Liquid Death and you, you're kind of, you know, you've got video, you do grassroots efforts, um, social media. What, are, what would you recommend to them as some of the, the best ways that you're finding to build that culture and that vibe? What, what's the, some of the most effective platforms that you're getting that traction? You know, I think we really, it, I think there's a lot of um, these quote unquote tours. I've speaking with someone about Goon Gear tour that's going on and Lucas Magoon, we, we support that. And I love the fact that the touring piece, if, if you all could band together and figure out some kind of map where they have RVs or whatever, and they're bouncing around to the different parks. Maybe there's a, they have to do something at each park or a punch card, whatever it is that you could kind of all band together, especially the independents and like do something fun, like a tour, like get people out there Kids can interact with the pros if, they're, if you do have some involvement or, or the brands. But I think that, that you're all, you could all help each other. 
you know, that's really important. Yes, you all want to one-up each other and you have the professional um, little contest, if you will. But I think that if, if you could work with brands to, to somehow tie that in during the winter months, and it, it's not the first time anyone done a, an RV tour, don't get me wrong, but it'd be kind of cool if you'd figure out some way, kind of like people have their little, they, they have their little bucket list. They want to travel the world and they want to go see Champs-Élysées and they want to go to, the, to India, whatever. That's cool. Like, but maybe you could do that for resorts and figure out people that really like, hey, I'd love riding. Something, or maybe something tied in in the collegiate, collegiate level. Every college usually has a ski and snowboard club. And those kids, very high age you get to, they're going to remember that down the road when they bring their kids down the long way. So that's the way my mind works. It's like, how many people can you touch? And what markets have you not tapped into? You know, and I know this conversation probably happens all the time, but as you know that, I don't know the exact demographics of the ski and snowboard industry, but I've got to imagine it skews pretty, a little more um, higher end net income, you yeah. know, I'm, I'm guessing. But then, you know, I could be wrong, but I think that if there's a way that you could all, I know you're out here to share best practices, but, but kind of band together, so to speak, you know, I think it'd be really cool. Yeah, cool. Give us some stories around where there was a moment when, with any of the brands where um, you were like, you had that aha moment or you had the moment of, um, you know, the, the, the lessons learned or that moment when you're like, we're, oh, this is golden. We just, we just made something happen. Is you know what? It was 2009 when I was just at PAFS and I just started. And um, again, there was no agency. There was no, it's frankly because of all of you, why PAFS is successful. Because it really, with the resort areas, is really kind of the groundswell of the rebirth of PAFS. But, um, I was through a friend of a friend called by a high fashion brand. I don't know who it was. It wasn't Prada, but it was someone gnarly. And at Fashion Week in New York City, and they said, we would like your, to have your beer here. And I was like, why would you want that? What the fuck? And um, so I said, okay, we'll get you beer, but I need to come. I want to see this for myself. Sure enough, I go to this high fashion event, and everyone's in black turtlenecks and arrogant. And, um, but I walked around, and I looked, and it was, uh, it was this bin of Pabst, and some shishi water with an umlaut over it. I forget what it was. And then, like, Dom Perignon. But what I, where the light bulb went off is the fact that all these wafy models, the guys and girls were walking with this paps in their hand. And you know they hated it. But they look cool. And that was where I was like, oh, my God. Like, they, they were doing it because they were the quick kid. There was a badge of honor. It was not about the beer. It was about that that can was all of a sudden you were cooler. That was an accessory. And that's when I was like, holy shit, we're onto something here. Like, and so my job was to not fuck it up. That was what I was like, we aren't going to do these things because too many brands will jump at stuff and go, that's the only thing you fruit we should do it. And you're, I hate to say it, you're kind of quote unquote selling out. And my job was to let it not be a brand guardian, but it was more of, it became my thing. Like I just want, what, if the PAPS logo is on something, it's the coolest thing. You could, you, you, you're at the right spot. Like you're at the right place. That, that was my thing. If the beer's there, you're at the right party. That was the way I looked at it. I'm not saying it was always a, a hit, but that was one where I was like, okay, now, now we're on to something, you know, complete. So that was really the, it, it sounds elementary, but it was literally this fashion brand wanted to be cool. And back to skateboarding again, high fashion to this day still copies skate fashion. Like, in, and look at these skater, scrappy skater guys and girls. They always have some of the best looking boyfriends and girlfriends too, because they want to like, you know, it's kind of like Goodwill hunting. They want to slum a little bit, you know, <laughs> but the cool kids a lot of times aren't, you know. Um, so I, it, that's my, my advice would just be like, if, if something's happening organically with your park or with your own brands, don't, you're, you're going to be quick to like blow it up. Be, be cautious. Just say, don't you fuck have, it you up. have lightning in a bottle <laughs> and enjoy that. Cause a lot of brands still haven't figured that out. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I have to say, you know, when you came to cutters with PBR and you would come with 
oh my God, you'd come with the coolest swag, like the onesies, the, the big PVR belt buckles. And we literally would have to keep someone on watch on the swag because it it was just, it, they were going out of their minds just wanting a piece of that brand. So um, that's pretty cool. And it would be cool for some of these skiers to get to that point where they, they have that. Yeah, but with it, okay. and that's what everybody wants, but they can't have. And that's why I think even with these, even this board that... You know, people you know you can't buy it and that's a big thing and you know and brands early on like nixon back in the day you couldn't get a shirt or a hat or a sticker unless you met one of the athletes which i thought was brilliant you know you had to go meet i think volcom you can't get a volcom stone unless you're on the team like the big volcom stone sticker but if you, you keep things limited like that if you all do your own little run of swag or bits that or and again even if there's people like back to the idea before where, where people have this like almost um pins or whatever it is that they hey i went and visited that resort or that park or whatever it's like a badge of honor. Like they're gonna be able to go, wow, I got to go, oh, you, you have that? Like, and you almost become a little brotherhood, sisterhood of, oh, you've been there? And it gets people talking and there's nothing more valuable than word of mouth, nothing. There's not any ad, there's nothing in, then all of your peers saying that person, that thing, that brand is cool, is worth way more than me sitting up here and showing you something, you know, yeah. way more. Um, we're gonna take questions from the audience. You talk a lot about inauthenticity and building your marketing team. Mm -hmm. And what advice do you have for the park programs whose marketing is solely run out of house from a separate department that tends to push their own ideas over what your entire department's trying to build of your product? Is there any way you can change that? That sucks. Yeah, I know. That's, that's horrible. <laughs> I feel like, I mean, I don't know if that's just one of the resorts that I've worked at or if that happens like all throughout a lot of different resorts, but it tends to be a battle to like try to put out to the public what we're creating based on what we want to, to show them rather than what they want to push as a marketing scheme. First of all, I think you, you, you do your homework with all your bullet points and why what you're doing, what they do, it sucks. You know, you don't want to say that. But the other thing is, if you're going to run into walls because it's a corporate entity, then I would go the route of the local shops, the, the local crews, whatever it is, and push it that way. Push your agenda that way, because they're the ones who are going to know. They're going to see right through the corpo, corpo speak versus you doing it the way you should, it sounds like you should be doing it. But there's got to be some, someone who's going to be cooler heads prevail and come in and be like, and run interference with that. Because... That's too bad because it's stunting you. Because at the end of the day, you're all creative and you're going to think of fun stuff because you're, you're in the business of fun. All of you are, you know? And you need to amplify that, right? But if you're running into that, that's, that's brutal. And so I always kind of like look at, like it's water, right? Path of least resistance, just go around and like do it. And now you may step on some toes, but if it's the betterment of what, you just got to give you chance and time, just like I said earlier. So hopefully they will do that. But if they're not going to listen to you, I would go the route of then grassroots, like spreading the word. You know, have some fun in the parking lot after, I, I pray with some people, do some fun things there. Nothing wrong with grilling some dogs or something after some beers and inviting people, but it's your park crew. You know I mean? Sit around, visit with people, tap a keg, creating that vibe where people are like, yeah, I want to go and, and, and chill with the team, with the crew. Do we have another question? So like Olivia said, the last two years have been astronomical for skier visits and we're getting all of these new people into ski resorts. Um, as a user of ski areas, what do you think um, we are missing in terms of experiences at Skiria's to keep these people coming back and make them fall in love? Well, I, I think it, it's what I was saying earlier about um, making, you can't do anything about mother nature, right? You can get good snow or bad snow, but if you don't, but I find it when, it, when something can be that anyone, one little part of your mountain that anyone can enjoy and that, and I think that having that kind of opre, little fun wing, almost like 
like I said, the kegger type vibe, but they want to leave with a positive experience. And I don't think enough people when they exit of that, and whatever that looks like, I don't know, but I think that some brands have done an okay job where they'll set up in the base area, and I'm not saying you want to hand out a bunch of tchotchkes or things like that, but I, I think that there's a way that um, you could do a little more grassroots type stuff with the brands you're talking about bringing in and go, hey, let's do a little, maybe it's hot cocoa for the kids. I don't know, have a, and Mammoth has that elephant person. I'm not saying you want to have fluffy animals running around, but you know what I mean? Something where you could have, where people are leaving with this positive experience, especially on the weekends when you're going to get tons of foot traffic. Like what are they going to leave with? Is there something they can leave with? Whether it is indelible you know, impression of your, your mountain or it is a takeaway, something like a, a tangible takeaway. And I hope that answers your question, but I think that there's a bit of that one, the, the list stop turning, well, oftentimes it's just, I mean, some resorts have better reputations than others for opera. They just do. And I, I, it's funny I hear that because oftentimes they'll say, I have the best opera. They don't even talk about the mountain, you know, but you want to create that experience, you know, have something. Or maybe have some, bring in for fun a different, um, like if you're cooking out, bring in a local chef or something. Go with me. But like, what's something that, that your area is known for and bring them in? Maybe it's in Milwaukee and you bring the, the, a brat company. In. You know, you have some fun with that. Have some fun. People leave with something. There's always ways and there's always brands willing to do it if, if it's going to be unique, but make it, think it through so that's real turnkey for them. But do it in a way that, as she mentioned, that speaks, you're speaking and it's not agency speak. Whether you're in the park or in the parking lot, creating that strong brand culture throughout the guest experience keeps them coming back. Come back for more from Sam Magazine by liking, subscribing, and following at www.saminfo.com. Our theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. The Pod Sam Advisor is Alex Kaufman. Thank you for tuning in to Pod Sam.